Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Go! Woo! I'm doing that little go. That's a new one for me. I like that. That's kind of fun. This is the Fizzle Show, where every Friday we publish another conversation for people creating businesses to live life on their own terms. We know it's possible. We've done it. We're doing it. But we also know that it's difficult. Okay? It's possible. It's amazing. And it's difficult. And that's why we do the Fizzle Show. Now, if you want to go deeper than just a podcast episode, well, first of all, you should subscribe to the show because we do this every single week. But if you want to go deeper than even podcast episodes can get you, if you want more in-depth guidance to create your business or make your existing business fun again, or maybe you just want to get your creative project off the ground with the chance that it can actually earn you some extra money, well, we've made something just for you. Okay, and it's not what you think. It's not a course. It's a bunch of courses on all all the things you need to know. And they're really, really enjoyable. And it's not what you think. You don't do it alone. You do it in community. At the time of recording this, there's over 1,300 fizzlers inside of Fizzle working their butts off to build something that they care about. There's a ton of us and we motivate, encourage and support each other. Okay, it's difficult but it's amazing to create a side project or a full-time business that helps you live life on your own terms. And that's why we want you to try Fizzle, our membership community for indie entrepreneurs. Okay, I love that, indie entrepreneurs. So if that's you, if it's what you want to do, if you wanna make it count, come try Fizzle for free on us. Head over to fizzle.co slash try five. There's a special offer for you there at fizzle.co slash try five. All right, that's it for the intro. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash two zero five. I'll be in this conversation because I'm recording the intro with the conversation. How'd I do, guys? Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And we have someone really, really special on the line with us today. It's not just the fizzle threesome that you're used to so much. It's Claire Pelletro. Claire, are you there? I am here. How do you think I did on the intro? Do you think I did okay? Yeah, you did really well. Could you hear me deleting files on my end? I couldn't I couldn't hear you deleting files. Why are you deleting files? Because it just occurred to me that I might not have space for the recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. We're living on the edge here at the Fizzle Show, always pushing the boundaries of what's possible. <laughs> so I, I wanted us to bring Claire on the show today because Claire is, she probably wouldn't admit it, or maybe she would. She's getting pretty good at self-promotion these days. An expert Facebook ads person. Okay, that means she professionally helps people create advertising campaigns using Facebook's tools. And she's so good at it, in fact, that she started teaching other people how to be professional Facebook ad consultants, right? So she has a lot of experience with Facebook advertising. Now, why this is interesting to me and Corbett and Steph pop in here at any time, but this is like Facebook advertising is, here's how I see it. In my world, you grow up and you become a blogger because blogging doesn't cost any money. It maybe costs you like $10 a year for your domain and like $5 or $9 a month for your hosting. But you have this potential to get thousands and thousands and thousands of people to read your stuff and come to where you're writing. All right. This is the model that I kind of came up in. Um, And we would never do advertising like advertise for a blog elsewhere because it was all based on search. It was all based on how our business currently is still running. We made articles. Corbett wrote articles years and years ago. And then we write an article every single week at Fizzle. And many of these, not actually, not very many of them, but a few of them start ranking in search stuff. So because we had an article on a topic that a lot of people were searching for, and it was a dang good article, our stuff got found. Now, up to now, that's been like sort of, uh, to be honest, like that plus like word of mouth plus like social media. It's like, yeah, this is how you get discovered. But it's really, really crowded online. We're noticing it too and Fizzle. We're noticing that, that it's just like, it's not growing as fast, the web, in, in the same way that it used to. Uh, and that's why Facebook ads comes into the pictures because here's a way for you to pay money to get more reach if you do it right. Am I getting it right, Claire? You sure are, Chase. 
I'm glad. I'm glad because I worked really hard on that. So, but this is just how I, this is just kind of how I see it. You know, it's like now we have this opportunity where we can pay money to get reach to more people. And the whole game in this is that you spend less money than you make from it, right? So I spend, you know, $20 this week to try to get the most number of the highest qualified people to my website or to my, you know, webinar sales page, if you're that kind of person, uh, or, or to my ebook freebie giveaway or to my YouTube video or to my whatever it is, right? To my Facebook page itself, to me, to me, so that they get addicted, they fall in love, they get addicted, and then they want, they subscribe, and they become an avid fan, and then I can I can create things for those people for a living. Like that's that's the whole goal. It seems like for a lot of us. So here's what I want to get into, Claire. Um, and along the way, Corbett and Steph are going to ask you questions as well. But first and foremost, can you walk us through a few just like totally common? newbie mistakes that you see people make with Facebook advertising? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say the first one is the use of the boost post button. Now, really? Oh, that's yeah. a, that's like on every post that I put on Facebook, it's got this like, hey, this is performing better than, you know, 85% of your posts. <laughs> Apparently every post performs better than 85% of my posts. And it, it says, you want to boost this? And I'm like tempted every time. Yeah, it's really easy to put five or ten dollars behind one of your posts, especially when Facebook's like, you could reach a thousand people for just fifty more dollars. And you're like, <laughs> oh well, what if I do five? Okay, that that feels good. I can do that. Um yeah. and then you see these metrics that are like, your post got so much engagement for like three cents a pop. And you're like, yes, I did something good. That was smart. Yeah, that was yeah. a smart investment, except Unfortunately, uh, page post engagement might mean somebody clicked over to see your Facebook page, but they didn't do anything yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's something about Facebook ads that I'm not sure most people know. So I want to start there, which is Facebook knows exactly what you're doing on Facebook. They know mm. if you're the kind of person who clicks on links, Chase, or if you comment on stuff, or maybe Steph, if you click on stuff and sign up for stuff, or Corbett goes, clicks on links, and buys things. They know all of that. So when you boost a post, um, Facebook's algorithm says, boop, 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 we need to find people who are most likely to engage with this post, to like it, maybe comment it, maybe share mm. it but not necessarily click through to it. So that's really what you're getting. You're getting all these people who are most likely to take that one specific action. But I don't know about you, but I want people to go over and visit my site. I want them to Okay, read so my hold blog on. Post. Let me let all me right. let me restate that real quick. So you're saying that Facebook knows everything about the people who use Facebook and their whole thing is to be able to show you that your post is working. Um, but Facebook's other goal is that nobody leaves Facebook. So they right. might even necessarily in an evil way. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is going too far, but I I know how companies work and this is often the case. It's like you're balancing with like, like they could possibly send your link to someone who only ever clicks like or or just like is a is going to look at your Facebook page, but not read your content itself. And so this quote unquote engagement, you know, is not the I don't know. It's not the thing that actually drives our metrics in our business that matter. Right. And that's what happens. Those are the kinds of people that see your post when you hit the boost post button. Mm. And then Facebook shows you this metric, page post engagements, and how much each one of those costs. And that's a complete vanity metric. But yeah. you're like, now, oh, Cor that's so cheap. Corbett, now, so this is the realm that you're such an expert in, is this idea of vanity metric stuff. For someone who doesn't know what a vanity metric is, would you just explain that real quick? Yeah, it's just a, a metric that doesn't really matter to your business in the overall scheme of things. So somebody might feel really good about the number of Twitter followers they have, but you could take 100,000 Twitter followers and $4 and buy yourself a cup of coffee, uh, depending mm. on who those followers are and how engaged they are with you and so on. So vanity metrics are just things that... Um, are fluffy. They make you feel good, but they don't necessarily contribute directly to revenue or something else that matters. Okay. So, uh, classic vanity metric you mentioned, just like Twitter followers, like used to be, this is luckily this isn't happening very often anymore, but you walk into a bar at a conference or something like that. And someone goes, Hey, my name's Jessica. What you, what's your name? I'm Chase. And Jessica says like, I have 
30,000 Twitter followers, so whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, th- like that, like that, like actually classifies her as a, as a more valuable person to me now. Um, and 30,000 followers doesn't a business make, you know? And, and so it's one of those things that just doesn't count. Now, s- what I want to know from you, Claire, is how, I mean, it sounds like vanity metrics is going to be a huge, uh, I don't know, a thing for people to really be care to know about when they're doing Facebook ads. Is, is that correct? Yeah, it, I would say it's, the biggest problem with Facebook Facebook's reporting is that mm. the default reports show you vanity metrics almost exclusively. Oh. And it's not hard to go in and find the metrics that count. But if you don't know that mm. the ones they're showing you are ridiculous um, yeah. and are totally vanity metrics, then you're not going to go and look for them. Mm. Gosh, I mean, that's a big statement that this is like the one of the hugest things. If you if you can if you can know your way around what is a real metric and what is a vanity metric, then you're you're already on the path to to it seems like Facebook ads is the kind of thing where you can kind of get in, you get your hands dirty and you kind of learn as you go. Is that what you recommend to people some ways? Oh, definitely. Um, I really encourage people when they ask the question, you know, how much should I spend on my Facebook ads? If they're beginners, I say spend what what you can afford to lose. Think of it as a casino mm. because while you might totally lose your money, you're gaining a lot of information. Mm. Once again, if you look at uh, the right metrics, you can gain so much info about who the people are who, who are clicking on your ad, where they live, what age group they're in, what gender, all this stuff. Mm. So while you might literally throw your money away the first time, couple times, that you run Facebook ads, you're going to get a lot in return as well. Okay. I just think that's really smart. This idea of, and I've never, cause I never thought about it that way that I can go into Facebook ads. Cause true confession here is I've never done Facebook ad stuff, but I've always wanted to. Really? I, always, I, no, have, no, no. I have these ideas for you, Chase, especially oh, with would, your videos. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. I've been, I've been just time. waiting. I've been just waiting for some inspired like content marketing person to just go like, dude, why don't you do this with Facebook? Cause I'm like, cause you know what? That's why my videos over there are so interesting is because I'm not thinking about Facebook ads, <laughs> but I, but I secretly have this thing that I'm kind of like, we should be doing that. We're good at content. We're good at this thing, but I'm, I don't want to waste money. And so you saying like, okay, what if you just planned on losing all the money that you spent on it? So you only played with a certain amount of money that you all feel comfortable losing like you would when you go to Vegas and play the, the slots or something like that, right? It's like craps. But the difference here, the benefit here is you can get better at Facebook ads and slowly create more and more profitability over time. That's the goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I have, okay, so before we get into more of the rookie errors, is it even possible to be profitable with Facebook ads? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's a big, like, you really can? Most of the big info product businesses that you know of are yeah. running on Facebook ads. Yeah. Like, they're getting all of their leads. Um, and then, of course, Facebook ad leads yield organic leads as well as people share your stuff. But yeah. um, definitely, they get their leads that go to their automated webinars that then, you know, put people into sales funnels that really work. Uh, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. definitely be profitable. Real profitable. Okay. So it is possible. Because I remember when, when we did it before, we didn't take it very seriously. Uh, we didn't waste, throw a bunch of money at it. We, we didn't, and we didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time learning with it, to, to be honest. And it was always, we were just hovering like around profitability, just like, like vaguely not even worth some of the, so, some of the effort to put into it in some ways is what I, I remember personally from the experience. Well, so, I want to okay. say something about that because it's important. You guys are dealing with a price that, is low compared to your cost of acquisition from a Facebook ad. So if I pay $50 to get somebody to buy my $300 course, that's okay for me. If you guys pay $50 to get somebody to sign up for Fizzle, what if they only hang out for a month or two? Then you could be in the red. So price is certainly an important factor. But for us, uh, member or like our monthly subscribe uh, subscription based model people, we have like a number called the the uh, the average. What? Why am I not remembering what the number is even called? We know what a customer is worth to us over time. That's effective. That effectively becomes the price of the product. Right. The average 
customer lifetime, which is which provides our, our our that's like so that's our number. Okay, we have to spend less than this to be profitable. So it ends up being more than our monthly payment, but not quite as high as as maybe we you would love for it to be. <laughs> you know? Okay, so if you're okay with it, I'd love to pick back up with some so what we've heard so far is just this first first rookie error is just using the boost post thing. It sounds like you're just saying don't use boost post. Well, no, I I really don't recommend that you do it. I do it very occasionally when I know that all I want is actually to get my ad seen for dirt cheap, but I don't want anyone to take any particular action. I did this when my podcast was launching back in the day. I posted something to my Facebook page like as a teaser and then I was like, "All right, let me reach some more of my fans." For yeah. cheap, because a boost post button does give you impressions. You know, it reaches people for cheap. Yeah. Um, but no, if you want them to visit your site, sign up for anything, I would totally avoid the boost post button. Okay, that which is good. Which is good to say because I think few of uh, very few of us are playing with enough revenue to just go like, yeah, we'll just throw some money at it, see what happens. Mm-hmm. We really want. We really want return on our investment. Right. We really want to be scrappy, to spend as little as possible and make as big as possible of a, of a win. So the first mistake is just like clicking that boost post. It sounds like it's just like a, it's a spray and pray and maybe something comes out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What's, what, what else? Well, I would say almost everybody, both beginners and even more intermediate and advanced people really struggle with choosing their audience. I think that's probably the number one mistake people make because there are enough people out there warning against the boost post button. But the audience stuff is so tricky. And there are a couple things within the audience umbrella, a couple mistakes people are making that are definitely costing them money and they're not getting the best results. So I would say the first one in there is going after too broad of an audience. Okay, too broad of an audience. This is something we get into a lot inside of Fizzle where we have training. Of, there's a course on defining your audience. We also have Corbett's choosing a topic course. And both of these focus you down into like, okay, you can't talk about like jujitsu and Asian teaware and uh, and your favorite kind of like duct tapes and your favorite brand of duct tapes and like running, or you can do that, but that's not a business. Okay. That's a personal blog. And potentially over a long period of time, you could, you could be so good that people start reading you, but there's another way where you're actually niched out, focused on providing value in this one specific area of a customer's life. And so you're saying getting defined on who it is you're serving is a huge part to these ads. And that's something that we always, always, always walk people through in Fizzle. And it's something that's quite challenging. Does Facebook's tools make it like, I mean, I don't know. I've, I think about going into Facebook and I think I'm going to see like, uh, I don't know what I think I'm going to see, to be honest. I think I, I, like all I can picture is going in and going like, find people who like Tim Ferriss and then send them this ad. That's all I can imagine. That's as far as I've gotten in my strategy. Well, you can do that. You can absolutely do that. But even like at sort of a, a higher up level, um, I see a lot of people who will target age ranges that are too broad because they've had a customer here or a client there that fell out of the 80% of people they pay them, people that pay mm, them, yeah. you know? So yeah, yeah. I target people between the ages of 27 and 44, personally. I've definitely worked with people outside that age range, but the likelihood that they're going to buy from me is lower. Same with countries. Yeah. One of my highest paying clients came from Spain, but she's the only one from Spain who has ever given me money. So I shouldn't include Spain in my targeting just because there's a chance that someone from from Spain might convert. Mm. So that, I would say the same with age, countries, even gender. Um, People, you know, you should figure out who is giving you more than 50% of your revenue um, Mm. or- 50% 50% of your list or visits, whatever, and stick with those countries. Okay. So ranges. say that again. Is that, is that a, is that like a, a, a principle that you use on gender countries and age, if applicable, if there's a certain group, uh, or if there's some way to demographically group people together and that group is over 50% or 50% or more of your sales, you can be comfortable uh, and confident targeting those people by those sort of demographics? Yes, absolutely. 
So, so, okay, got it. So we would look at the customers that we were getting in Fizzle and we would try to generalize. We try to find the similarities between these people and say, you know, over 50% of, of people inside of Fizzle like Tim Ferriss or like uh, Pam Slim or, uh, or whatever, like Nike or R27 to 44 or R35 to 37, whatever it is. We can kind of like tell, we can, we can let the customers we currently have inform our strategy in our Facebook ads. Yeah, definitely. Now, when it gets to things like people who like Tim Ferriss or Pam Slim, et cetera, I don't quite apply that 50% rule because there it sort of just becomes a little bit of like the wild, wild west where you just have to go in and try some things out and hope that you make it out alive and, you know, learn from it. But the demographics like location, age, and gender, for sure, that 50% or more rule is a good one. Okay, cool. So one of the first errors that people make in this choosing uh, an audience thing is going too broad. Is there more to say on that or do you have another one in there? Uh, Well, then it gets down into that interests section. So you mentioned Tim Ferriss already, but in the audience selection uh, category or part of Facebook ads, you can pick out people's interests. And you have two kinds of interests. You've got these general interests like entrepreneurship, parenting, cooking, wine, you know, those kinds of things. And you also have what are called precise interests. And precise interests Mm. are businesses, publications, organizations, and people uh, that people can follow on Facebook, usually by liking their page. Uh, And that's where you would put in Tim Ferriss, or uh, Chris Gillibo, you guys aren't in there. It it just makes me a little crazy because you've got a great community, but uh, Danielle Laporte, these are precise interests that you could choose. And then your ads will be shown to people who got it. like their page or follow them, something like that. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I remember in the, in the article that you wrote for, that's going to be at fizzleshow.co slash 205, which walks people through some of the stuff we're talking about here. You meant, I, I read it and I, you mentioned there's like, there's just some things you wish you could target for and you can't, they're just not in there. They're just like, you're saying fizzles just not in that list. And probably because we just don't have wide enough of a, of a sphere of influence yet. Um, or it's something, but you, you mentioned in the article that sometimes that happens and you just have to roll with it. Yeah. What I would say though, is precise interests are always better than those general interests. But most people, when they're starting with their Facebook ads, will choose something big like social media marketing as an interest inside detailed targeting, as it's called, instead of something like social media examiner or Amy Porterfield, which are precise interests that are much, they're much more precise, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. So you're saying by, by focusing on the particular, like, hey, I like uh, this, this, I like minimalist baker, um, or no, sorry for people who like minimalist baker or nerd fitness or something like that. Target these people going more precise, uh, or going, g- focusing more on those precise interests, those specific uni- particulars kind of helps you get better results in the world of like sort of the universal. It helps you kind of target people a little bit better than going with the broad sort of stuff like blogging, blogging or Cooking. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at somebody's targeting the other day and instead of choosing parenting because she does uh, baby sign language stuff, really interesting stuff. Instead of choosing parenting, she chose baby wearing as an interest. Now that could be conceived as more general (laughs) because there isn't a page called baby wearing, but it is just like this one particular topic that a certain kind of person is going to be attracted to. Uh, so yeah. I thought that was brilliant on her part. Yeah. Okay. So this is this plays on this energy that I see like all over the place in business and in in success, in what gets popular and what gets big and what people enjoy and like and find, right? And it and it's there's like this law of specificity, you know, like the 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 more niche, the more focused you get, sometimes it's it's more likely to get successful. Like like what you're talking about this, choosing baby wearing instead of parenting because b- people who like somehow signal to Facebook that they're into baby wearing, like this is a driven kind of uh, of group of people, 
I don't know, something about them are there. <laughs> they're 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 self-identifying as something like this is more dramatic than someone self-identifying as parent. And I think there's energy in like in movements in these smaller sort of uh, uh, communities be simply because they're smaller communities, this smaller thing. There is, I'm imagining one of your mistakes has to be going too specific on your Facebook ad. Is that even a mistake or should people just go as specific as possible? Well, that kind of, it kind of fits into the last mistake that I would say, which is giving up too quickly. I, oh. I get a lot of questions like, all right, should I target this audience? Is it too specific? Is it too small? Is it too big? Shouldn't I target everyone who makes a million dollars or more? Because you can do that. You can target people by their income or their net worth. Yeah. But there's no way for me to tell you, Chase, that audience is just too specific until you do it. Yeah, You've got to yeah. do it. You've got to look at the results. I mean, I can give you ballpark figures about what an ideal audience size is, especially if you have plans to spend a fair amount of money over a long period of time. I would say aim for over 100,000 people in your audience uh, if it's a cold audience. But I'm not going to tell you, like, if the baby-wearing audience was only 10,000 people, I would have told her, do it. Mm, Try yeah. it. So, so I, what I'm hearing there is there's a thing inside of Facebook that tells me here's roughly how many people, uh, you have targeted right now. Right. And you're saying like, do you want to go for around a hundred thousand people? Like that's, uh, that's in the, in the Facebook advertising world. That's sort of like a, a nice bang for your buck kind of size of a marketplace, especially I'm imagining if you're focusing on targeting precise things, like you talked about instead of broad things. And that brings your audience size to around 100,000, then you're looking at like, okay, this is a good place to start. But occasionally, something, and that's this is where it feels like there's a little bit of art to this that you must sort of pick up on, mm -hmm, right? Definitely. Where you're like, oh, ba baby wearing, huh? Uh, and you're, you're kind of like, your the edges of your lips kind of curl up a little bit, just going like, Okay, I wonder. Interesting. <laughs> like I could picture you going like, I bet this might work. This could work. This is interesting. And so when that's like less than 100,000, you're still like, let's try it. Let's stick with it and see what we kind of get with this. Because going back to one of your previous sort of laws about this thing is it needs to be messed with over time. You're, you're gambling with money that you can afford to lose. But the investment is partly in, uh, and not in the return on this campaign financially, but in the return on how it's teaching you to use Facebook to target more people. Because if you get to do this and target people well, and you get profitable with this thing, it just seems like such a massive asset to your business. I mean, I don't, I have to be honest. I don't like people who can just pay to be successful online. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Like there's something about it that's just like, hold on. Hold on a second. You haven't done any of the the hard work of like writing stuff that people just go like, this is amazing. I have to share this. For years, <laughs> you're just fast tracking to loads of traffic. Now, the onus is still on them to make stuff that is noteworthy, right? That like you land on the page and it works. It gets you. It grabs you. Right. So I guess there's still like an enormous amount of creativity, uh, of, of creation that's necessary to just make that happen. But still, it's like you I don't know. I guess I'm struggling with the fact that like maybe this is something we all have to do now. Is that how you feel about it? I do. And I completely understand where you're coming from. FreshBooks is sponsoring our podcast today. And FreshBooks is small business accounting software. And it's designed especially for small businesses, especially you freelancers out there, okay? There's a lot of you. And it helps millions of service-based business owners make everyday invoicing and accounting easy, fast, and secure. Did you hear that? Millions of businesses use FreshBooks. That's wild. Okay, and FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up. So you want to check it out. Here's one thing it helps you with. They have this mobile app that helps you take pictures of your receipts and then FreshBooks organizes those for later okay it can also create an expense report for you and it makes claiming expenses at tax time a breeze i think a lot of you know how gnarly that can be so if you're into it check out fresh books they're giving every listener of the fizzle show 30-day unrestricted free trial okay you just have to go to freshbooks.com fizzle and enter the fizzle show 
in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Our thanks to FreshBooks for supporting independent business in The Fizzle Show. I don't know. I guess I'm struggling with the fact that like, maybe this is something we all have to do now. Is that how you feel about it? I do. And I completely understand where you're coming from. Like, if I just had... $20,000 a month to put towards Facebook ads, you know, I'd be buying an island next month. But it really, it's not just about driving traffic. Like I can get anyone under the sun a whole lot of traffic. But if you start to pay attention, you'll notice that Facebook ad traffic behaves differently than organic mm. traffic. Your, mm. your email open rates might start to go down. Your conversion rates on your sign-up pages might be less. And that could feel like, oh, I just paid all this money and now for what? So it's really important to work on both ends, Chase. Don't worry. These people are not just paying to be successful. They're, they're working on the, on, okay, so, on the other no, end. That, I think that's, that's, like, that's a piece of wisdom that I, really, that I think a lot of us really need to hear. Can you say more about that? How Facebook ad traffic and visitors and subscribers and buyers even might behave differently than what we're used to, how we're currently getting our traffic and subscribers? Well, I don't want to turn everyone off from Facebook ads and therefore my business. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. Um, I have grown my list pretty quickly in a few years. And I have thrown out a lot of those subscribers a bunch of times because I just have all these people who don't open my emails anymore. There was a a good opt-in, a good freebie, which is a free guide to Facebook ads and people sign up for it at a high rate. But Hmm. does that mean that they ever have anything to do with my business again? Not necessarily. Um, I think, and if I could start this or kind of continue this movement with you guys, I think that we can all start doing Facebook ads a lot better, which is to stop pushing our opt-ins so hard, our freebies, getting people's email addresses, and start Mm. promoting our ridiculously useful blog posts, podcast episodes, videos. Uh, Then the subscribers come. They do. I watch it. They're more expensive. In the long run, Mm. if I look at, oh, how much did this ad for a blog post cost me for each subscriber? It's definitely higher, but the people who do sign up, they kind of did it of their own volition, not because I directed them quickly to a sign-up page. Uh, I'm, I'm getting them on my side. I'm gaining their trust with a good blog post, not just some clickbaity headline. And then they're signing up, maybe not this time. Or maybe they're recommending me to somebody else. Hey, look at this site. I hear you need help with this. And then more people are signing up. I mm. see so many ads for for list building right now. And it's just kind of like, uh, it's, you know, those ads are already starting to work less and less, like for webinars. I won't go into that, but I don't recommend yeah. you guys start with ads for webinars. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is, here's a, potentially pricey gamble strategy that actually returns uh, what feels like less on your investment up front. Yep. Um, But in the long haul, if you take a longer perspective on this, it actually grows your business more sustainably and more naturally because frankly, a lot of 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 the quick growth that you get when you're just, paying for Facebook ads, it's surprising how sort of like unquality this traffic ends up being. And so if you focus on promoting what you're saying specific is like, what if you, instead of promoting your freebie or your download, or you're like, get on my webinar or this, that, and the other, you, you pushed a, an extremely helpful piece of content that you know is super helpful. Like, you know, now it sounds like it, it, this won't necessarily work for podcast episodes because I just picture a lot of friction for someone going from a Facebook ad to like, oh yeah, look at that. Oh, that's interesting. I'll click that. And oh, look, it's a 50 minute podcast episode. Yeah, I got nothing going on. Maybe I'll click play on that. Do you know what I mean? I just don't see it sort of, I, I like it, like they need to kind of come in, skim through something. Find, oh, that is a good question. Wow. Yeah. Oh, look at this. It's a really helpful image and infographic. And oh, look, it's like, it's like stuff that like starts communicating really quickly and then has a strong call to action from 
from that potentially to like, hey, get our seven day email course on exactly this con uh, this this topic that this post or infographic was about or something like that. Um, just like you're, so it sounds like what you're saying is just like be way more on the providing value side. Now, immediately, and maybe Corbett, you could speak to this. What, uh, so what's the fear that comes up in you or the worry that comes up in you, Corbett, as you know, as a, any respectable CEO would, when you think about that sort of strategy? I don't know. What does that make you think about or feel? First, I have a question. Yeah. What is baby wearing? <laughs> Stop. Dude, you live in Portland. <laughs> Steph, <laughs> welcome to the show. That was the best. Uh Stop that I've heard to date on the show so far. It's amazing. I was I did not see that coming at all. That was fantastic. Oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. All right. Um it, so uh baby wearing. We don't know, Corbett. You, you tell us if you find out on Wikipedia. Okay. Chase, you I'll, need to know about baby wearing now. Actually, I swear to God, I swear you to God, know we about just baby wearing. We just had we we just put on our like a uh, boba whatever thing, you know. And it's <laughs> like the we I'm sure we paid like eighty dollars for a super long scarf, and now we're wrapping the baby. Hey, Fizzle Show listeners, I don't know if you know this about me, but I had a daughter. I had a yeah. daughter. <laughs> we can get into that. We can get into that at, at a because there's that's a big story. That's actually a really big story. Um, and some of you out there know how big of a story that is. But we'll get into the details of that maybe in some other time. We'll have like a real heartwarming uh, where Steph <laughs> asks Fire Chase a question chat. and they both yes. oh my gosh, and, and they both cry <laughs> and they both yeah, cry let's do it. Um, about baby wearing. So baby wearing episode of the official show coming up soon. But Corbin, what was your what was your other All thing right. you wanted to say? My, my, my serious answer. Um, yeah. The, the concern for me. So when, when we started talking about this, you know, you guys were discussing a little bit about price points and how, uh, because fizzle as a product has a free trial and then it's a monthly subscription, our customer lifetime value, which is the metric that we pay attention to, how much is an average customer worth to us over their lifetime? It takes us a while to recoup that, right? It might take us four or five months before someone, uh, reaches that average customer lifetime value. So, when we try to do Facebook ads in the past, if let's say we uh, try to sell someone a membership to Fizzle directly by getting them into a free trial, there's just a very long cycle for us to measure to find out if we actually have a positive mm. return on investment. And if you, in addition to that, then instead of selling someone a free trial right away, but let's say you uh, try to get them to opt into an email list and then they go into some sort of drip sequence, and then they might get sold eventually on a free trial. That extends it a little longer. And then if on top of that, now I hear you talking about um, you know, uh, pitching someone from a Facebook ad to a blog post or a podcast episode, then the sales cycle gets even longer. And it's really mm. hard to trace the, you know, to connect the dots from this person clicked on this ad to everything else that they might do in relationship to your business, and then eventually do they buy? And then if they do buy, how long do they stick around? How much do they mm. pay you? And so I'm just wondering, you know, uh, if that's a realistic use of Facebook ads for a business like ours or any business, if, uh, if you're trying to do anything other than just grow your audience, if you're literally trying to make sure that you have a positive ROI, the, the people that I've heard who seem to be successful and seem to really love doing Facebook ads are pitching a hard webinar that they get people to, that they sell them on right away and they're selling a high priced product. So their sales cycle is maybe a week long and they can literally get the revenue from those people before they have to pay the bill on the Facebook ads. So there's no cash flow issue there. For a business like ours, if we were going to do that long ROI cycle, cash flow would become a huge issue and we wouldn't be able to spend much on ads because it would take us three or four months to get that money back. Okay. Response? Claire? Corbett's absolutely right. It's, it's really tough. That's why in that kind of situation, it would have to be like, all right, do we have $500 that we can just lose if we do, if we end up losing it? And then uh, use that to test out different blog posts. Like I know Corbett knows which blog posts have the highest value in the sense of actually turning 
the views into revenue. So then you could mm. try out ads just to those, but it would really have to be a trip to the casino in that sense. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, so for lower price point pod products, or if you don't know what your, you know, lifetime customer value is yet, it might not make sense unless, again, you're just sort of willing to say, all right, I want to grow my list. I want to grow my audience and kind of learn from that and see what happens. See if maybe there are certain topics that resonate more than others. So something I, I see a lot of people doing with Facebook ads is figuring out what their next uh, freebie should be by mm. testing out different blog posts and seeing mm -hmm. the click-through rates on that. So um, I saw that people were really interested in learning what the number one mistake people are making with their Facebook ads is. Because I wrote a blog mm. post that had that title and the clicks are so dirt cheap. Same yeah. with how much to spend. Now, there have been plenty of other blog posts that have tanked. And so I know, oh, okay, people aren't really that worried about that topic right now. At least not cold Facebook ad people, if you will. Yeah. You know, one of the challenges for me as I think about this, online... We can, we can get so complex with our funnels. Like we can get as complex as we want to be. And by funnel, I mean this, right? So you have, what's your end goal? For us, our end goal is actually not a fizzler, but like a, a really happy, engaged fizzler, okay? And I think that's a really big clarification that maybe for you, uh, for us, because we're a, we're a monthly subscription-based model, which is great because the revenue is consistent. I don't have to, you, you know, it's like it builds like a solid base. It doesn't go away overnight. It's not feast or famine, um, but it's an incredibly high, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to build that up and to keep users engaged over time. Um, it's almost like, Corbett, it almost gives me the feeling that it's like, it's like a, a it, it, it's just like does the like the savings uh, for you. You know, you're like, you're like, hey, okay, you made this much money on that big launch. Now we're going to take 75% of it and we're going to put it over in this thing. And we're going to divvy it out to you slowly over time. <laughs> so we never have these like huge, huge launch weeks that are just like worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But we do have, we do over the course of, of the end of the year make a significant uh, a lot, amount of money, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, just this idea of, of like, you can have all these funnels that go as far as you want, you know, like, like what office autopilot or, or what's the other, the other email thing, Corbett, that is drip. That a lot of the, not drip, drip it's the one that's soft. infusion soft, right? This is this behemoth, behemoth piece of software that you can use to manage like your email funnel for like, Hey, if they click on this page, get them on this list to do this thing. And then if they open up this email, I want them to, if they open this one, then put them over on this list instead and send them these two things. And then at the end of those two things, if they click, then I wanted this. If they don't click after three days, send them that, you know, it's like, you can, you just can go intense. And in some ways I can picture it being like, that actually is the thing you're creating. I can picture entrepreneurs going like, I'm creating an intelligent funnel for, uh, and then once I, once I fill up that funnel with Facebook ads, going to content or going to freebies or going to webinars or going to whatever, then I get them on that list and I've got this like, like I know how to push their buttons, how to pull their heartstrings, how to get them interested, how to, how to give them more of what they want and ask for something from them. And I don't know, I just, I personally haven't made that shift into entrepreneurship yet. Corbett, do you know what I mean when I'm talking about that? Mm, like, exactly. do, do you know, can, can you picture people who are like, who are like, uh, uh, I don't know, I just know, I just have met guys like this who, who just like, they make this funnel sort of thing and then they use Facebook ads and whatever just to fill up the funnel. And it's like, it's, right, like, right, it's right. like a little more of a, you know what I mean? It's just like a, uh, like, like, I don't know. Do, do you, per, do you, like, how do you think about about that sort of way of doing business personally, just for you personally? Not like, obviously it's a way of doing business. Yeah. People are doing it. You can yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, and, and and that's not to say that we don't do some of that. Like Claire was mentioning earlier, uh, Claire and I had a conversation a, a few months ago and I shared some of what we have done with tracking the specific value of each blog post that we write and uh, yeah. doing that within Google Analytics. So we do some of that. We know some of the uh, you know conversion points 
at different stages of our funnel, the blog post being one of the early stages of the funnel. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and so we do think like that sometimes, but when you get into the super nitty gritty, having, you know, segmented lists and multiple funnels and, um, really trying to tweak each step of the way, sometimes it takes a lot of the fun out of business and makes it a little boring. And I know maybe that's leaving money on the table, but, um, on the other hand, I think we tend to focus on, uh, trying to make a connection with people via the podcast and by writing compelling content and, um, and then trying to win people over as customers so that hopefully they refer new customers to us. And so we just, yeah. we just tend towards the people side of things and a little bit less towards the mechanical numbers side of things. And, uh, I think that's just because that's where our interests lie. I know, like you said, there are people out there who use all of those features inside of drip or infusion or, or something else. Um, because they, they really geek out on that stuff and I, I can't fault them for it. Um, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, sometimes you get so deep inside of trying to construct this perfect funnel that you miss the forest for the trees and you're not connecting on a human level with people because you start treating them like numbers as opposed to real people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so Claire, uh, what about that? What, what, do you, does that, knowing that about us, about our company, for one of the things I've been loving doing is like talking with other entrepreneurs about like, and helping them figure out what their core values are. Like I'm, I've gotten really good at this, like core values exercise. I love coming for it. Cause when you find your core values, it's a hard thing. It's a tricky and you never know for sure. Cause it could shift over time. It can really help you make strategic decisions that only increase your personal, like sort of motivation in your business. Like they just, they make your business matter more to you. And when that, when your business matters more to you, you just have fresher ideas. You have more energy. I don't know. It just makes it more fun. Right. So knowing that about our sort of per, our, our company value, uh, our core value around, like we love connection and, and like real, I don't know. We just like, we like connection with people, like honest connection. I, 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 there's a lot of us, uh, our blood, sweat and tears and fingerprints all over everything that we make at Fizzle. Knowing that about us. Does that, would that change or inform in a meaningful way our, should that, our Facebook um, stra ad strategy, or should we just perform, j just keep going like, like anything else, because there's nothing, like the ideas that we'll have will change, will, will be a function of those core values, or would you just say like, actually, what about doing this instead? I don't know. Am I making sense to you, Claire? Somewhat, Chase. But uh, no, I think that the core values are definitely important. I mean, you're not going to just turn around and push people to a hard webinar that then sells them into Fizzle. Like, you're not going to do that because you heard that, that Facebook ads could build your list and, you know, increase your membership quickly. Because you also know about churn, and chances are your churn, you know, people canceling would be high after that. Um, but like, what I would love to see you do is turn some of your videos into video ads and then mm. just track some micro conversions on that. Like, all right, well, are people then clicking over to the blog posts that you're sort of summarizing or talking about in your video? Are they signing up for things? Uh, and what's the cost of those sign up? The, the, you know, some of your guides or for a free, free trial. Um, mm, yeah. I would love to see you do an ad for your webinar on journaling. Just going to say it. Why? I put it out there. Why is that? Because it is Why? such like, it's so representative of who you are and that's not going to appeal to everyone. And that's what I love about Facebook ads is that you can write copy mm. that is all about who you are and shows off your core values. You can have an offering that is unique because let's face it, a business related webinar about journaling is unique. And so your click-through rates might be low because it's a little bit hard to find that perfect audience of potential fizzlers. Trust me, I've brainstormed it a little. Um, but <laughs> you're, I bet you you'd get some pretty engaged people on that webinar. And then you might have some signups. But I also love that we're talking with Corbett here who's going to be like, yeah, well, what's the ROI in the end? So 
Yeah. That's just yeah. an idea I've been kicking around over here for you. Okay. No, okay. I I'm going to chime in now. Hold on. We're okay, 45 okay. minutes in. Now I got something to say. So, yeah. <laughs> here's, <laughs> so I've, been, I've been just listening, right? So Claire came on to the Courage and Clarity podcast recently, right? So if people haven't listened to that, I would highly recommend those episodes because I think they go really well with what we're talking about. One of the things we talked about a couple of things. And one of the things we talked about was three big strategies for people who want to do Facebook ads at any level of business. And this thing that Claire has been talking about, this idea of the, we we called it sort of ungated content, promoting your ungated content, whether it's a blog post or a video, that was actually strategy number three. So we wrote a whole blog post about this. We can link to it. Um, But that was the part. So this is like where I, I, when I was talking to Claire, this is where I started to see the fizzle spirit, people who identify with what we'll call sort of like the fizzle way of doing things. Because the cool thing is, as Claire has said, what I love about it is you can now put your video right in the Facebook ad itself, right? Because people are on Facebook. They don't want to leave Facebook because they're surfing. They don't want to have to click away. So now the ad can, the video can play right within the ad. And this becomes about being helpful in that video right there on Facebook, being helpful to people and starting to build up that sort of no like, and trust factor. So for me, someone who like approached, I'll be honest, I approached my first conversation with Claire. I'm not, I'm probably not as far on the super like interested in funnels and metrics and things like that. That's not exactly really my cup of tea as much as being helpful and communicating with people and building trust and selling. That's kind of more my jam. So when we started talking about this strategy, this way of sort of putting yourself in front of people and getting them to a place where they start kind of get to know what you're about, then you can do other things with them. I thought that was really interesting. And I did not know that about Facebook ads before I started talking to Claire. So for me, this was kind of the part where I started to see more of this honest way of doing business versus come see my webinar, come, you know, come join my course, yeah. whatever the, whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. And okay. wait, I have to get, throw Go. this last yeah, thing what? in. What you could do and I can't remember if Steph and I talked about this specifically, but when you have a video, either an an ad or just totally organic on your page, like the ones you already post, you can then show more ads to anyone who has viewed Yes, like 10 seconds of your ad, 50% of your ad, all of it, even less. You can do now targeting, targeting people who have watched your own ad. Does that get really, does that get a lot more affordable or is it still like roughly the same, same price? No, it is more affordable because typically your click through rates are higher because you've already warmed up the audience. They at least know you from Adam. And, and so typically your cost per click goes down. Um, Mm. So there's Mm. a lot to play with, especially with video ads and the audiences you can create from those. A lot of retargeting stuff. We can't possibly go into all that, but um, I... I I wouldn't give up on them entirely, even if you are selling selling something at a lower price point. Well, yeah, I I mean, the other other thing that we talked about in our conversation, Claire, was how to spend $40 a month, right? So that's another thing to check out too in those courage and clarity conversations we had for that was a, a piece of news to me is you know we talked about how if you don't have that much to play with you can at least take a small budget and kind of experiment and use it to see what happens as well as see and you sort of already mentioned this in this conversation see which content really lands with people like i i love that you have used your facebook ads to figure out what your audience really cares about you've used your ads to to find out oh people click when i advertise the number one mistake people make with Facebook ads. Now in Fizzle, we get so many questions from people like, I don't know what the number one thing is that my customers struggle with. That's why we have people do customer conversations. So it was really fascinating to me that you shared that you were able to use the results from your Facebook ads to discern what your people are actually asking. I thought that was really brilliant and Mm. not something that I would have thought of when it comes to Facebook ads. Cool. Yeah, ultimately, it seems like Facebook is such a uh, the Facebook ads mechanism is a great way where if you can spend if you can if you can invest some money, even like what what's like, what would you say, Claire, is like the least amount of money someone can spend and still learn something valuable on a regular basis? Um, Forty dollars a month, just like I forty dollars a month stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in the Courage and Clarity episode too. If people want to hear exactly how Claire would spend that $40 a month, I thought that was really helpful. She breaks down where she would put that money specifically. So if people are like, I don't have much, but I got $40, I would absolutely listen to Claire in that episode because it's really good. Okay. I'll put both of those episodes, the Courage and the Clarity episode with Claire 
Wow, there's a lot of C words in that. Uh, in the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash 205. Claire, before we let you go here, um, we talked about a lot in here, the, these common rookie errors of just using the boost post willy-nilly, of choosing too broad of an audience instead of focusing on more of the precise interests. Uh, you also talked about just giving up too quickly, you know, just like how this is something that's to be sort of played with over time. One of the big, huge takeaways for me is just this idea of like you're gambling with this money. It's just like you'd be going and playing craps with it. So it's money that you can lose, but the return on investment can be learning instead of just business results, at least for a little while. If this is something, because this is a viable option these days for like, if you get good at doing Facebook ads yourself and you don't have to pay someone else to do it, you can really like, you can like it can be a little functional, you know, lever of growth for your business. And probably the biggest takeaway from me, I loved this. You just said this sort of offhand, uh, Claire, when you said, "I love that it's that this particular ad is not going to appeal to everyone about the the fizzle.co slash journal thing." You said you love that that's not going to appeal to everyone, and that's interesting to me because it totally is like that's Bing Bing Bing. That's again, that's. That is the spirit of the power of niche. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And how difficult it is to put you, because you want to make yourself available to as many people as possible. But there's this reverse law, this judo law, where you go, <laughs> you go the opposite energy you thought you were supposed to go with. And it's when you go, at, like you, you be more kind of clearly yourself and, and express more loudly your true core values than the people who really resonate with that, really resonate with that. And they become super valuable to you, potentially. I don't know. I love that. Now, Claire, in closing, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say? There's people who are listening to this who have had maybe a little bit of experience with Facebook ads, maybe no experience with Facebook ads at all. What's your, like, you've, you've given them tons of feedback and advice. Is there any closing words that you have for them? Yeah. You know what that number one mistake people make with their Facebook ads is? It's usually their audience. So if you are running into just something that you you see that your ads aren't working, the first thing I recommend you do is just try a different audience. Don't change mm. the text. Don't change the image. Not yet. You might need to play around with that later, but try out one or two, even three more different audiences because what that one blog post that I get a lot of uh, cheap clicks on talks about is one of my clients who just tried out all these different audiences. And I was sort of at my wits end and felt like a bad coach until she just landed on the perfect one and everything changed. So that's really where I would start when you're like, what mm. do I do to fix these ads? Start with the audience. Yeah. Okay. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining us on the Fizzle Show. Everybody say thank you to Claire. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. This is fulfilling. Before before you go, I, I mean, you're a fizzler. You have been a fizzler for so long. Will you make this like one quick little little like? How would you say to the Fizzle Show listeners why what who should look into joining Fizzle potentially if they're not already in there yet? From your perspective, chase everyone. My <laughs> no, um, my biggest regret about Fizzle was not having joined about a year earlier because when I did join it, it absolutely changed my business. I think after my first Friday, what's a Fizzle Friday coaching thing? Yeah. I turned yeah. around and made a product that was my best selling product ever after talking to one of you guys. Um, and I've yeah. been on those coaching sessions so many times. Maybe that would be the one thing. Like the, um, the forums are awesome. I love Fizzlers. I'm actually going to meet up with one of them in person soon. It's really exciting. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But I didn't even know about Fizzle Fridays when I first joined. I joined to learn how to create a podcast, and I did. But then I found out about the coaching sessions, and it they, those were and continue to be game changers. So if you need to talk to somebody, like talk out an idea... Uh, which I know always helps me, then join Fizzle at least for five weeks because you can get them for free. Yeah, totally. Okay, there's the music. I'm going to close this out here. So there you have it. That is Claire Pelletro. You'll be able to find more about her at fizzleshow.co slash 205. That's this episode 205. Fizzleshow.co slash 205. There's an article that she wrote there or a resource for you. I can't figure out if I'm going to, I haven't decided if I'm going to actually wrap that up as a little like, here, download this if you want it, PDF. 
uh, or or just put it uh, in the post itself. You'll see at fizzleshow.co slash 205, where you can also find out about the Courage and Clarity episode that we mentioned, as well as the, uh, the journaling, the journaling thing that Claire loved. Claire loved that journaling thing. So I'm going to add that to the show notes. Okay? Uh, if you haven't yet, leave us an iTunes rating and review in iTunes. We love to hear from you guys. And that's it for episode 205. Uh, our hope for you, Corbett. I do a, like a, a benediction every fuck, every week <laughs> at the end of the show. Why don't you do the benediction this time? Say, like, uh, start it with, like, may you, and then fill in the blank. Give, uh, us, a, give us a little uh, send out you're here. You're so bad at this. You're so good at it. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear it. Well, um, may your powder stay dry and your wine stay wet. I don't know why you don't think you're good at that. (laughs) I don't know why either. (laughs) Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks for listening, you guys. And we'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. 